You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is my co-host, Tiny. Sup? Hi, Tiny. Hey. How's it going? It's bueno. It is bueno. Uh, we just recorded a special Patreon-exclusive recording, so if you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, um, where pretty much any time we re- record an episode of any of our podcasts, uh, we do a quick uh, quick little bullshit session yeah. <laughs> and throw it on the feed where people who pay us can listen to it. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to support that racket... Um, <laughs> patreon.com slash obsessive viewer no it's a lot of fun we we do have a lot of fun on that feed um, basically if you pay the minimum of one dollar per month you get access to a special RSS feed that's exclusive for Patreon supporters um, and at this point we have like nine or ten hours worth of content on there wow um, yeah so it is you you get plenty for your money mm-hmm. for your like think like <laughs> uh I almost, I almost really showed how poor at math I am. I, I almost <laughs> said like, oh, for like one penny you get an hour per penny. That's not how. It not works. so much. No. Uh, no, you get. Is it ten cents? <laughs> ten cents for uh, per hour. Well, how much uh, is Patreon? Patreon is minimum one dollar per. Right. Month. Okay. But I mean, if you want to pay us more, I mean, for please. Please do. Please do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Today on the podcast, uh, we have not been active on this feed for a long time. That is a true fact. Yeah, and uh, a few reasons for that. One is we have a lot of stuff going on, both in real life and in the podcast realm. Um, I have been really, really working hard on Anthology, uh, my solo podcast about the Twilight Zone, to basically do double duty of Twilight Zone episode and new Twilight Zone episode. Um so it's just like it's it's a lot of work. So uh, this this show kind of fell by the wayside. I do still need to do a Duma Key review. I owe you guys that. Um, and then also we need to do a, a 2019 Pet Cemetery review, um, which that movie is going to be hitting digital next month. Okay. Um, I actually already have it pre-ordered on Vudu. So as soon as it hits digital like we can watch it make notes and then we can review it um so look for that sometime in july cool um very curious to talk to you about it okay um yeah speaking of uh future stephen king movies that are coming out oh um you know what i'm not gonna scratch that oh okay let's delete that we'll save it i'll save it for the episode okay we're in the episode now but when we talk about it in the episode you'll see okay um, is it about a trailer? That when we talk about, about it in the episode. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I also have plans for, 
we'll talk. We'll get there. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're this is basically a Stephen King news roundup episode um, because over the last couple months a lot of news has hit and we want to kind of talk about it because we're fans of Stephen King. And before we do that, uh, I do have a few Stephen King check-ins. Uh, Tiny, do you have any? I know you said you wanted to read The Outsider. I want, I want to finish that. Yes. Yeah, I want to finish that. How high on like your priorities is that? Um, I haven't started reading anything. I'm not in the middle of reading anything right now. Okay. And so I need to just crack that open and do that because you'll see why when we talk about some of the new stuff in this yes. episode. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in addition to that, I need to read Finders Keepers and End of Watch since they kind of tie into The Outsider in some unique ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just I, <laughs> for the foreseeable future, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to live in that world, I think, mm-hmm. according to Stephen King. Right. So, yeah. So we are going to go into some. Oh, uh, I have Stephen King check ins. Yes. That's where we were. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so Tiny, you don't have really any Stephen King check-ins, but I have some. So okay. Do, do you want to hear them? Please do. Okay. So, first up, I finished listening to Dreamcatcher. I don't know if I really mentioned it on the pod. I don't know if that was pre the last episode or post the last episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I finished Dreamcatcher. That was, a, that was a book that I was listening to on Audible that was just really... Just listening to it, just to listen to it, because I didn't want to. I didn't want the baggage of like having to review it or anything. Eventually, yeah. we'll get to it at some point. But um, oh god, we also we need to do Tommyknockers. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to that at some point. So yeah, uh, Dreamcatcher. It was fine. Uh, well, it was okay. Um, King has this. Uh, the, the, uh, have you ever read the book? No, I've just seen the movie. Okay. Do you? I think we talked about this probably on the podcast, but do you remember me and you seeing the movie in theaters together? I do not. Yeah, we did have this conversation. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's good, you know, good to know. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I don't remember fuck all about the movie. Yeah. Um, like, it, it just didn't register with me or leave an impression with me. Uh, the book is kind of similar in that respect. It, it's an interesting thing because Stephen King kind of takes this. The narrative in Dreamcatcher feels like King did his classic, like, okay, set up these characters who have a close relationship with one another, put them in an, in an abnormal or uh, extraordinary situation, um, and see how they react in that playground. Um, he started with that, and then, like, within a third, a third to halfway through the book, it feels like he was like, I'm not really feeling this, let's just switch it entirely to something completely different. (laughs) Um, and then he introduces, like, military characters, and it was just, like, it was kind of jarring, like, the original character still factored in, but it was, like, it was just bizarre, just a, a bizarre, um, uh, switch. The movie's pretty bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um... Because Morgan Freeman played, Morgan Freeman. Like, the military guy. Yeah. Do you remember anything about the character? Uh, not really. Okay, because I think that he plays, like, this... Uh, in the book, he's called... He 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 has fashioned himself with the name Kurtz. 
um, as an homage to Colonel Kurtz. Gotcha. In uh, in Apocalypse Now, but he's like this crazy, like very temperamental person. And like as I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm like, I don't picture Morgan Freeman as that. Like, hmm. I don't picture that. I don't. I don't picture him selling that particular one. So I wonder if the movie altered it. I think there were two military guys. Okay. And Morgan Freeman was one. I can't remember who the other guy was. I'm gonna actually look it up real quick because yeah. that is uh, interesting. But I might be wrong. It's been a year since I've seen it. So. Yeah. Really, when it comes down to it, the I mean, the movie's about aliens that cause people to shit out. They're aliens, or right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the cast. Uh, Damian, yeah. uh, Damian Lewis, and jeez, uh, um, what's his name? Ah, oh, man, the guy from Mallrats. Oh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Morgan Freeman plays Curtis or Kurtz. Um, okay. So he is that that guy. Okay. Um, Thomas Jane's in it. Jason Lee. Thomas Damian Jane. Lewis. Timothy Oliphant. Uh, Tom Sizemore. Don Tom Sizemore is who I was thinking of as oh, the other okay. military guy. Oh, okay, yeah. That's so interesting because, man, okay. He'd be a good crazy Kurtz he would, kind of guy. But I think he, I think his character is, I think his character is like the, uh, the guy who, um, helps out the other, um, the, the main characters. Mm, okay. So he's like an ally to them. Gotcha. Um, which is weird because like. It just feels like that's miscat. Like it feels like Morgan Freeman and Tom Sizemore should have been swapped. Yeah, <laughs> like definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to watch it again at some point. But um, but yeah, I do. It's interesting, and we'll talk about this when we eventually talk about the Tommyknockers. But I just feel like I don't know that Stephen King has done, to my knowledge, a very good alien invasion kind of story. Um. Yeah, but I would like to see him do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like to discover one in his bibliography. Um, yeah. So yeah, but Dreamcatcher was was okay. Um, yeah. So my other Stephen King check-ins. These are going to be quick. I did make some purchases. Um, I have them right here. Tiny, you smelled one earlier <laughs> off mic. Um, the new Hard Case Crime um, edition of the Colorado Kid. Which I've never read, and I'm eager to check it out at some point. Um, this is cool for a couple of reasons. One is that it's an illustrated edition, and these illustrations Ooh. look like really, actually, pretty good. Nice. They're kind of like pencil, like sketches, kind of, kind of thing. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And the other thing, like I said, I made you smell it. Um, it just, it like just the smell of the book makes me feel nostalgic for like book fairs in school and like the scholastic book fair and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which was in elementary school. That Those were my friends. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Not really. Um, so I mean, just kidding. Not really just kidding. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's a look into my life. Um, the second thing just came in the mail today. I had forgotten that I pre-ordered this, but it is the paperback edition of the Flight or Fright uh, anthology, which is, the tagline is 17 Turbulent Tales. <laughs> uh, this anthology was edited by Stephen King and Bev Vincent. And I'm looking forward to kind of perusing this because uh, it does have 
It has one Stephen King story uh, titled "The Turbulence Expert," and it also has uh, it also has a story by Bev, Vin- Bev Vincent called "Zombies on a Plane." And there's a Ray Bradbury titled "The Flying Machine." Mm. Joe Hill he has a story called "You Are Released," and also there is in a story. Oh, oh, wow, that's cool. There's an Arthur Conan Doyle story. Um, but also huh. Richard Matheson's Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which obviously has a uh, significant tie to my extracurricular activities since that was made into one of the most iconic episodes of The Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And that, that can kind of, um, if you'll allow me a small tangent, Tiny, mm-hmm. um, I listened to Nightmare at 20,000 Feet um, at work today on Audible. This is the first time I listened to any, listened or read to any um, Richard Matheson writing. Mm-hmm. And um, the collection that I have on Audible of his short stories is, it's just titled Nightmare 20,000 Feet and other short stories, but it has an introduction from Stephen King. Um, Stephen King doesn't read it on Audible, but it's it's his writing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he talks about like he's heaping praise upon Richard Matheson. Obviously, Stephen King is a huge fan of Richard Matheson, draws a ton of inspiration from him, and it's really interesting because um, listening to Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet, which the <laughs> a small peek behind the curtain, the reason why I listened to it today was because I'm going to have you on anthology for our season one Twilight Zone 2019 wrap-up episode. Mm-hmm. And in that <laughs> in that episode, I have notes for where I, I've taken all 10 episodes of the new season of the Twilight Zone, and I've chosen, I've paired them with episodes of the original series that kind of correlate to each other. But there are two episodes there that I haven't seen yet because I'm going through it, you know, chronologically from air date. Mm-hmm. Um one of them is obviously twenty thousand Nightmare of Twenty Thousand Feet, and the other is It's a Good Life. But the reason why I listened to Nightmare of Twenty Thousand Feet was because I kind of wanted to cheat a little bit, and like so without watching the original episode, but I have something to talk about in context of the original story. Anyway, um, so yeah, when listening to that, I listened to Nightmare of Twenty Thousand Feet, and then also Disappearing Act, which was the basis for. A season one episode titled and when the sky was opened uh, from the original twilight zone series. Hmm. Um, and it's really interesting. First of all, um, disappearing act was read by Jay Carnes who played. Oh, Dutch nice. in the shield. Um, and it's really fascinating because like listening to listening to Richard Matheson's writing, I could see like a direct parallel to, like Stephen King, like I could tell, like the influence that he had on Stephen King, nice. um, just the way that it's written, like the prose is just very like ordinary Joe kind of kind of storytelling, I guess would mm-hmm. be like it's not very technical. It's all like internal and emotional, emotion based, and it's like the main character in Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet and the main character in in Disappearing Act are both just regular people experiencing just extraordinary things, which is interesting because. That's what Stephen King's kind of whole shtick is, but that's also what the Twilight Zone was all about too. So mm. it's interesting the way the uh, Venn diagram kind of crosses over. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that was cool, and yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out Flight or Fright. Yes, um, seventeen turbulent tales. Um, yeah, have you read any of Richard Matheson? Or I haven't. Did he also write like uh, the Omega Man? 
Is that Matheson? Yes. Yep. Uh, I Am Legend. I Am Legend, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I Am Legend. It's interesting because I Am Legend was the basis for the Omega Man, The Last Man on Earth, and I Am Legend. Right. That has been adapted so many times. Right. Um, Yep. And he was also one of the, I think, other than Rod Serling, he wrote the most Twilight Zone episodes. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't really. I don't think I've ever read anything any of his stuff. Nice. So. I recommend it. It's uh, nice. And Stephen King's introduction to that short story collection is is charming because he's like, he's like, uh, uh, he says like you you can call you can call Richard Matheson the father of horror, and while that's inaccurate, it's because it's like calling. Elvis Presley, the father of rock and roll, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, okay, he, he has a way about his writing, obviously. So he does. Yeah. So anyway, um, those are my check-ins, and those are my chickens, and uh, we are going to dive into our episode here. We have a ton of news items to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we have. So I have. I've compiled compiled a list of articles. Um, in chronological order. Um, so we're going to start at April 8th. Uh, Tiny, do you want to read the headline? Yeah. Uh, so the headline, it's uh, Variety.com. Julianne Moore to star in Apple drama Lissy's Story from Stephen King, J.J. Abrams. Yes. So uh, this is very interesting to me because um, from what I understand... Ly- it's, I think it's pronounced Lysy's story. Is it Lysy's? I okay. think uh, that's how I pronounce it. I've never. I don't think I've ever heard it. Um, but yeah. Uh, from what I understand, it is like Stephen King's favorite story that he's written. Oh, really? I I think at least at one point he said that it was. Um, and it's really interesting because he is actually. Uh, I believe he's actually going to write it. All three, all eight episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He will write all eight episodes. Um. So that's very interesting. And like. How do you feel about Stephen King writing, like, screenwriting-wise? Because we just, uh, I'm going to say we just talked about uh, Pet Cemetery 1989, but that was, like, back when we were in high school that we talked about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was well, so long ago. What has he written for the screen? I'm not sure. He has written, uh, well, Pet Cemetery 1989. Okay. And he wrote the Shining TV miniseries with Stephen Weber. Okay. Um, he wrote... I want to say he wrote the Stand miniseries. I think that he wrote a lot of like Mick Garris's adaptations. Um, okay. So yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's his shit. He can do what he wants. Right. Um, but I, I mean, he, uh, given those titles, he's been relatively successful with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think flaws in those adaptations were not in the writing. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean. I, it's it's a different skill writing a book as opposed to writing a script. That's a it's a hugely different skill. Yeah. Um, but I mean I I can't imagine him being a poor writer in any medium. So right. um he's even great on Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. So as we'll see. As we'll see. Yes. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm all for it, I guess. Plus, I mean he he has such a huge a huge bibliography and like so much content in his career yeah. like it's kind of like why wouldn't he take a stab at writing right writing for the screen you know because yeah. it's, it's something so, that he reveres so much in his work right and something that so much of his stuff has been adapted to that's the yeah. other thing that like yeah let's let's see what he can do and in, yeah. in regards to that 
writing in this medium. Yeah. He also wrote Storm of the Century, um, which I never watched. Did you ever see it? No. I think did it have, I think it had Tim Daly. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've I've never seen it, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to review that sometime. That'd okay. be good because that's just a, like that's just a TV show, like that's just a TV miniseries. Like it's uh, it's not adapted from a novel or anything. Oh, okay, interesting. So, yeah. Um, real quick, do you have your thumb drive? Oh, did you have? Do you have your thumb drive? I didn't bring it with okay. me. Okay, yeah. I didn't even think about it. Um, that's fine. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, I'm excited. How do you feel about Julianne Moore as an actress? Uh, I mean, she's great. Mm-hmm. Great actress. Five-time uh, Academy Award nominee. Um, five times? I think yeah. so. Uh, God, that's awesome. Five Academy Awards. Yeah, she won for uh, Still Alice oh, in 2015. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she's she's a fantastic actress, so oh, totally. uh, I'm, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see... Um, one of the more interesting things about this story is the fact that it's going to be on Apple. Yeah. And so I'm I'm curious if it will, if it's going to draw in and because you know there's a lot of people who are like Apple fanboys and whatnot, and that, yeah. that comes with the territory. And so I think there's going to be people who adopt this platform just because they're mm-hmm. Apple loyalists and they could find their way to a Stephen King property and thus become yeah. bigger Stephen King fans. So I think that's. That's the bright spot of this. Um, the the you know the the downside is that it's an untested platform, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's. I don't think this is necessarily going to be a launch series. Yeah, it doesn't uh, sound like. Yeah, it. yeah, but anyways, it's. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I agree, and uh, uh, I'm excited to hear about people bitching about having to get another streaming service. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I have been very. Uh, privy to with anthology with uh right. twilight zone on cbs all access um but yeah i'm i'm excited and uh yeah the you know as as regarding the casting uh it's interesting because this is her first this will be her first leaving leading tv role in her entire career right which is awesome which i it's like i always say tiny uh the julian more the merrier <laughs> um so uh yeah, I'm I'm very I'm I'm very eager about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh shall we move on to the next one? Yes, please. Okay, so this article comes from April 10th, uh 2019. Castle Rock. Paul Sparks to star in season 2 of Hulu series in recasting. Hmm. So, when we had our episode about the casting announcements for season 2 of Castle Rock, um it was announced that Garrett Hedlund was going to be playing the role of um, Ace, uh, Ace Merrill, John Ace, Ace Merrill, Merrill. Yeah. yeah, uh, which was popularized in the uh, Stand by Me movie by Kiefer Sutherland. Um, he unfortunately is going to be not in the show, um, and is going to be replaced by Mr. Paul Sparks of Boardwalk Empire and House of Cards fame. How do you feel about this news? Well, I really like Paul Sparks, but I was excited to see Garrett Hedlund. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Me too. I just I think he's a really good actor. Um, just dives into his roles he he i always think of um it's a weird poll but uh the movie country strong which is about he plays like a country singer okay he's um strong, isn't it? He's, he's a strong man um <laughs> but like it's just like you can barely tell it's him and like he he's saying for the movie and oh, he's wow. like you cannot recognize his voice at all um he's a very chameleon-like actor um a little 
you get kind of touches of Gary Oldman. At least I do. Sure. Um, I think he, I think he's really good. So I was excited to see him in this, but uh, at the same time, Paul Sparks is really great. So yeah, and that's kind of how I'm. Well, I Paul Sparks is great. Like yeah, he his his performance in Boardwalk Empire was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like the best, like weaselly kind of jackass kind of character. Yeah. Um, and then in House of Cards, it was more, um, uh, let's see, it was more reserved. He doesn't do a lot. <laughs> he really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like he's just walking around while the president's assaulting people. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, anyway, so. He like uh, he's a ve- like I really like his, his the craft that he brings like like his his approach to the craft of of acting him as Ace Merrill which granted the only context I have for that character in the Stephen King canon is uh is it Carl Reiner or Robert Carl Reiner right stand by me uh I think so yeah Carl Reiner's uh, <laughs> uh stand by me. Uh, and like that is just like the you know typical kind of greaser bully guy. Right. So I don't see like I, I don't see that character or that um, that archetypical kind of character or that that character archetype translating into like a modern day Paul Sparks like yeah kind of thing. It's true. But I think he has the acting chops to to really sell it. I'm just very curious how it's going to be because like. I'm I'm kind of curious if um, this is just purely conjecture, obviously. But I kind of wonder if it's going to be like a, an older, older Ace Merrill, obviously, um, who has kind of shed that whole like, oh, I'm a bully kind of character, like that gruff, hard, hard ass kind of guy, and he's just more like, uh, what the fuck did I do with my life? Kind of character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could see that, and I could see Paul Sparks really running with that type of character. Definitely, too. definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm eager to see how that is going to play out. I'm still very excited for Castle Rock Season 2. Yeah, cast um, is amazing. Yes, we don't have an, uh, we don't have a trailer, we don't have a casting, or we don't have a, a release date or anything. I think they're currently filming, so I'm hoping that fall is when it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but I'm really hoping that we can, like, buckle down and, like, like get those, like, out. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Anything else on Pulse Works? No. Okay, cool. What's the next article? Up next from ComingSoon.net, Game of Thrones' Jerome Flynn to star in Amazon's Dark Tower series. Yeah. Yeah. This is from, this article was from a certain date. Um, oh, it was um, uh, April 22nd. There you go. Um, so yeah, Jerome Flynn from uh, you know Game of Thrones as Bron mm-hmm. and from the '90s as um, Robson and Jerome. Um, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, we had a listener on. I think it was obsessive viewer uh, comment on how like like he's he lives in the UK and he's like mm-hmm. um, he'd mentioned that. Like his, like his mom was like in love with with Robson and Jerome. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and like apparently, like that, it was like they were like really like they were like the hot, uh, kind of pop sensation or crooners, I guess, or whatever. Wow. Of of the nineties, so that's funny. Yeah, it's uh so strange. 
Um, but yeah, so there's no there's no confirmation on like what character he's playing. He just said in an in an interview that he um, has always wanted to play a cowboy, and now he's having that chance with the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Um, Dark Tower is currently filming in Croatia or may have finished filming at this point but yeah um there was did you see I didn't put it in the thing but there was uh set photos leaks uh yeah I saw there was only like two of them right yeah there was like two yeah. it was like on a Croatian website so it was like all like there there was no uh it was like nothing in English on the article so but you could see like Jerome Flynn yeah uh I think it's great casting again mm-hmm. um he Especially if he's playing, um, you know, uh, one of the villainous characters, uh, the antagonists. Um, he, the he's big coffin hunter. Yeah, perhaps. one of the big coffin hunters, something like that. He, he's yeah. just perfect for one of those roles. Totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm. Uh, I. I'm excited. I'm. I'm just excited. Um. Yeah. I'm. Uh, cautiously excited and i'm gonna jump ahead a little bit because i didn't i didn't put this uh link necessarily in the well i did put the link in it i I don't know anyway so ron howard admits mistakes in dark tower adaptation let's jump down to that that's from may 31st Mm -hmm. um yeah so what do you make of this (laughs) um i I think he couldn't he couldn't uh not admit that there were mistakes right. made basically. Um he was pretty diplomatic about it though. Yeah. Um but it was kind of strange that he said like he said it should have been like horror mm-hmm. which I I thought oh okay um I think it has some elements of that but I feel like it's mostly just an adventure story like You know I feel like horror is really on the back back burner with the dark it's a tower. It's reductive. Yeah. It is. Um yeah, and I, I agree with that, and and I also agree that it should have had at least some horror. In it. Um, I could see it being, and that okay. This whole, I don't understand how like the film industry views creative, like create, like like adaptations like that, because. I'm, I don't know. I'm I, I'm going to struggle here, but as consumers of this type of media, as as readers of the books and people who love the world of Midworld and and the universe that the multiverse that Stephen King has, Stephen King has created, we have an intimate understanding of like what it is tonally. Yeah. And what I don't understand is how that can can be. I don't know if I'd say misinterpreted, but um, misused in any type of adaptation. Like, it's just because, like, he says his quote is, I think it should have been horror. And I think, hang on, I gotta, okay. I think it should have been horror. I think that it landed in a place both in our minds and the studios. And I think that answers the question I'm about to pose uh, that it could be PG 13 and sort of a boy's adventure. I really think we made a mistake. Not, I mean, I'm not sure we could have made this movie, but I think if we could have made a darker, more hard boiled look and make it uh, the gunslinger's character study more than Jake, I think in retrospect that would have been more exciting. We've always felt like we were kind of holding back something, and I think at the end of the day, it was that. And yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But also, it's like you have 
decades worth of material and you know a a, a concluded a concluded story from beginning to end with with clearly defined character traits and character character arcs and everything but you still chose to make it about Jake right um i don't know it's just it's just kind of weird but i don't i just and i think it's the studio i think it's studio interference yeah. that they like because you don't like okay like ron howard has said that he is a fan of the dark tower that's what attracted him to the project he's read the books and everything um studio heads studio executives the people give like fronting the bill for the uh project haven't they don't understand they just look look at it as like oh stephen king okay well how are we going to adapt this or how are you going to adapt this what if you make it more accessible and everything like and that is just completely you know changing the tone of the entire project and the entire everything yeah stephen king's not about accessibility exactly never has been yeah um however um i am so enabled and enamored with glenn mazara (laughs) (laughs) Um, because he retweeted this article and as you, as you know, he is the showrunner of the dark tower series for Amazon, Yeah, which I hope that we get like an announcement that, you know, at least the pilot was completed or we get like, hopefully it gets picked up to a series, but he retweeted this article and all he said was, uh, I got your horror for you. Um, uh, implying that you know his series is going to be more horror based okay um which is cool like i'm game yeah me too yeah um he also said there's a quote from ron howard further in the article about how uh he think it it could have been better to tackle it straight on as television yes which is something that i've always contended regarding this series Mm. regarding the dark tower is it needs to be on tv yeah i don't think a movie i'm not saying you couldn't do a movie but like it's just there's too much there yeah it's too complex to just mm-hmm. boil down to a two even like a two and a half hour movie so i i, I think it's i think it's got to be television yeah and i've i've always thought that it would be cool to do a full series like five to seven seasons and then end it with an adaptation of the final book the dark tower cut into two like two and a half three hour movies um, I think that would be an, an ideal kind of adaptation because that would give it the gravitas that it deserves. Um, but also it's just, I don't know that it's, I, at this, even though it was planned in a similar fashion, I don't think this multi-platform kind of storytelling is something that audiences are going to really gravitate to. Yeah. Um, I think maybe Game of Thrones could have pulled it off if they went that route. Um, just because it's a global phenomenon. Right. Um, but like with something like the dark tower, which as much as I would love for it to be global phenomenon, <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to be a global phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and it's, my point to that is look, look how far television has come yeah. even over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. If you watch that game of Thrones documentary. Oh yeah. Holy shit. The production value of that show oh, yeah. is just unbelievable. And, and the scale of that show was massive. Granted, it's kind of the biggest TV show in the world, so it it, it sort of commands that kind of attention and that kind of uh, finance, right. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, so, so that's it's it's a bit of an anomaly in that respect. But even even still, there's so many shows out there that are just 
grandiosity is not a problem on television right any and not anymore yeah in my opinion you can do fantasy you can do mm. epic you can do epic shit on tv now yeah and it's not even like it's not even just game of thrones really these days because like and granted this is in in direct response to game of thrones but like amazon they're prepping lord of the rings right and they spent millions i think millions yeah I almost want to say billions, but that doesn't sound right. They spent an exorbitant amount of money on just the rights to Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, and they're clearly going to pump as much money as they can into this. And it, because Jeff Bezos wanted the next Game of Thrones or their own Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they really have a chance of doing that. <laughs> like, I really yeah. think that the Lord of the Rings show could be the next kind of cultural phenomenon, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, but hopefully, and and hopefully they, <laughs> hopefully they, uh, you know, program the Dark Tower near it so that it can catch some of its. Uh, That'd some be nice. Of its, yeah, <laughs> some, it of its catch some of its momentum, leftovers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I agree. Um, yeah. Anything else on on this piece of news? No. Or? Okay. Um, so this one will be pretty quick because I don't think we've read. The original, but from May 1st, uh, Richard Skizmar's sequel, Gwendy's Magic Feather, returns to Stephen King's Castle Rock. So, uh, a year or two ago, uh, King and author Richard Skizmar Skizmar, uh, wrote a novella, I think, called Gwendy's Button Box, Mm -hmm. which was set in Castle Rock, and I don't know much about, I don't know anything about the plot. But, uh, yeah, so now uh, Richard Skizmar is going solo, and he is returning to Castle Rock with the sequel to it called Gwendy's Magic Feather. Um, did you ever read Gwendy's Button Box? No, I hadn't even heard of it. Okay, interesting. Um, Sounds well, cool, though. I mean... Yeah. According to this article, the story was set in 1974. Um, it's like and, before all of the other Castle Rock stories, I think. Yeah, yep. Before, yeah. like, The Dead Zone, Kujo, right. Dark Half, Needful Things. I really need to read Dark Half. We should really we should really concentrate on Castle Rock stuff, too. We should, yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, and I believe that this novel, Gwendy's Magic Feather, is going to be a full-length novel. Okay. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I don't know if there's been any... Um, I don't know if there's been any stories set in Castle Rock that haven't been penned by King. Yeah, that's interesting. That's not something you hear about a lot. Right. <laughs> Other authors diving into another author's, esta- author's established universe. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty unique thing. Yeah, and I believe that... I think Joe Hill has kind of flirted with this King multiverse. Oh, has his, he? Okay. I think, but it's not It's like, it's not like he's uh, set anything entirely in... A town of his father's creation. Right. Okay. Um, I think it's just kind of hinting here and there. Gotcha. Um, so that's interesting. Um, does this news make you curious to check out Gwendy's button box? Definitely. Nice. Definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's one of those things that I want to read the Castle Rock stories in kind of order of publication. So mm. that's kind of obviously a little low on the list. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else for that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so moving right along, let's talk about the It Chapter 2 trailer. Yeesh. Yeah, I'm going to actually play a clip from the trailer here. So here's a clip from the trailer for It Chapter 2. Are you still his little girl, Beverly? Are you? Me and the Losers Club has officially begun. We can do this, but we have to stick together. So, Tiny, what do you think of the trailer for It Chapter 2? I mean, just as a trailer, it was really well done. Yeah. Um, it gives you a lot without giving you a lot, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't. There's a lot of a lot of snaps, you know, just screenshots and snaps mm-hmm. that don't give away tons of the plot, and we don't get an overabundance of Pennywise or anything. Yeah. Um, and it has this like full scene, like in the first minute. I love that so much. Yeah, it was that was just a cool idea. Yeah. Um, again, without really giving stuff away. Right. Um, and it was very. Uh, I feel like a lot of the resonance in the first movie was from the character of Bev, uh, Beverly Marsh. And so I think to kind of establish the first trailer through the lens of that character was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Jessica Chastain. Uh, so, I, I mean, it was it was freaky and scary as shit. Uh, just a really cool scene to kick off the trailer. Um, and again, they don't, they don't give us... They don't give us too much, but they really pique our interest a lot. And it's, totally. it's what a trailer's supposed to do. Oh, absolutely. It's a great trailer. And I don't know if you remember that scene from the novel, but that scene in the novel is pretty hair-raising. Yeah, chilling, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the movie comes out, I think, September 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, that's just a few months away. Yeah, it that's is. Um, are we going to do another obsessive view review, uh, viewing party? I really want to. Me too. I really, really want to. Um, my my wife's work friend, who was at the first oh, one, yeah. Anna, she uh, she asked if we were going to do another one. I was like, I, I'm going to try to put a nice. put something in Matt's ear and see if we oh, can yeah. do it again, because I think I want to. I oh, was, I definitely want to. That was fun. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I want to get a recreation of the podcast adventure we had with Tony and and Matt and Draco. That'd be great. Um, Yeah, it was the four of us, right? It was, yeah. Um, Yeah, I want to do that. But uh, in the lead up to, and I want to pitch this to you on mic so you can't say no. Okay. Um, But I think it would be fun if in the lead up to the movie, like, because I think think it would be fun for us to do an episode of the podcast that's just a commentary track for the first movie. Okay. That'd be something that you would be game for? I'd be game. Okay, cool. Kind of like how we did with the Dark Tower commentary track? Sure. Only this time it would be for a good movie? It'd be for a good movie, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, so that, that'll that be interesting. And uh, I haven't I haven't watched it in a while either. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, that'd be good. I, it's one of those movies that, since I have it digitally, like on my Vudu and everything, it's one of those like kind of background movies that I play a lot, mm. and uh, inevitably I end up getting really sucked into it, so... <laughs> And it's just, there's so many just beautiful moments in it. Like, yeah. just outside of the horror element of it. Like, the scene where they're at the quarry. They're, they're quarry. 
and they're swimming and everything. It's just like them being kids and mm, like, yeah. the 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 uh, the score in that in that uh, moment is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's just and we get the turtle reference too, which is a nice like nod. Do you think? Do you think? Not without going to spoilers, obviously. Do you think they'll get like super metaphysical and stuff in the sequel? I don't know. It's. Yeah. I think. I think that part of the novel is so it would just be visually so challenging to achieve yeah. that I'm not sure what level they're going to go to. Um, that part of the novel is just weird, and it's kind of yeah. hard to follow. It's great, and I think it's one of the few metaphysical or like existential kind of things that Stephen King has done that actually worked. Yeah, I feel like he kind of loses it a little bit when he tries to get that to that level. When he writes, but uh, I think it worked in it. And but again, to like, I, I just hope they don't do like a, kind of a rehash of what the series did back in the nineties, the TV series, because oh, yeah. it was it was just very straightforward and kind of uh, mm-hmm. a little bit anticlimactic um, and cheesy as all fuck. Yeah, um, I hope they have something a little more with a little more impact than that. Yeah, I agree. But we'll see. Um. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that they go like really gross with Pennywise's true form. Like, yeah, like, something, like, something original. Yeah, something original, something memorable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once once the um, once the uh, tickets go on sale, I'll put something in the Facebook group for obsessive viewer. Totes. Yeah. Um, which you can join at facebook.com/slash the obsessive viewer. Um, yeah. Ugh. I got, like, heartburn or something. It sucks. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna take a sip of water. What if I died podcasting right now? Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd be, like, that's that's the dream, really. <laughs> um, it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, I saw, I saw a headline that's like, science says that, uh, um, like leading climate change researchers have said that 2050 is like could be the end of our civilization as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was like, I read that. My initial, my my immediate thought was like, what the fuck have I been doing with this podcasting? So like, <laughs> like, like this renders podcasting my podcasting pointless. This is my legacy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Next news item is uh, from May 13th. HBO's 2020 preview includes first look at Stephen King adaptation The Outsider, which stars Ben Mendelsohn and, um, oh my God, Jason Bateman. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a very, like, we don't see anything. We just see, like, a quick snippet, um, and that that's it. But how do you feel about this adaptation? Um, I mean, I like the people involved. Um, I guess Jason Bateman just doesn't have a life. <laughs> um, with uh, Ozark, mm. which is highly successful and really freaking good, yeah. Uh, and then taking on a whole other miniseries like this, right. um, I don't know if he has a movie coming out or anything, but yeah, he just works really hard because he's a. I think he's producing. I know he's directing some of it. I believe so. Yeah, yeah he's executive producing and starring and. <laughs> directing some of it so yeah. yeah he's got a full plate there and he does the same thing with Ozark so oh, that's um, right. I think he actually writes some of it too I, I can't remember but um, yeah just a really busy guy but uh, I, I really enjoy him in a dr- dramatic setting I think he's a great dramatic actor who's famous for comedy mm-hmm. um, so and then Ben Mendelsohn is great oh, yeah. I love Ben Mendelsohn so he 
could not have hit him more out of the park. Um, I'm not even sure who he's playing. Uh, probably one of the detectives, if I had to guess. But anyways, um, yeah, I'm curious. I, I want to finish the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm only like, I got like halfway through it like a year ago right. and have never finished it. Um, it, it. One of those cases where I bought the physical copy. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to just stick that in a drawer and forget about it, yeah. you know, and that's that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was enjoying the first half of it. Uh, the first half I enjoyed it quite a bit actually. Um, so I, I need to finish the, um, the book and I'm excited that it's on HBO. Me you too. Know, that's, that's good. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, have you watched any of those art? Oh yeah. I've watched all of it. Oh yeah. It's nice. phenomenal. Nice. It's really I, good. That's another thing I started, I watched like four or five episodes and just, I loved it. Really? But I just, I just, I don't know. Maybe I have like. Entertainment ADHD. Yeah, I get, um, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I just like literally can't even. Yeah. Um, also, I think just as a side note, I think part of it is that with ongoing shows, like I'm so used to being pampered by like just binging. Yeah. And everything that I like ongoing, like I don't want to watch three seasons of a show all in one go, and then a year later have season four. And then just watch season four and like have to remember what all happened in season the first three seasons. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know, but that's my excuse for it. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's cool. Um. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um. The Outsider is a book that we'll review down the road, but it was not something that really stuck with me that much. If I'm being honest. Okay. Um, the The first half was great. The second half was a little bit trying for me. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that. The next one we've got is from uh, May 14th. Uh, if It Bleeds is Stephen King's latest book set for a 2020 release. So, King was at some place in, like, Minneapolis. I think, I think he was there for... Uh, either some kind of festival or something, or I think maybe his band, the Rock Bottom Remainders, were, like, playing a show or something. Okay. And he gave, like, a, a speech or something, and, like, he mentioned, like, uh, kind of in passing, he was like, yeah, next next year I've got a book coming out called If It Bleeds. And it's going to feature Holly Gibney from uh, the uh, Bill Hodges series and, spoiler, but The Outsider as well. Right. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting – I'm surprised a little bit. I mean, I think it was kind of cute how she made an appearance in The Outsider. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciated that for what it was. But I'm I'm a little hesitant to have her be the main character in a book Yeah. and to be the guide through a whole story. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like she's – She's totally like the the quirky weird yeah quirky weird character who needs like a a, a solid or archetypical mm-hmm. leading person to compliment yeah uh she she just she has all the makings of an ancillary character really she, she does a and sidekick yeah she's a sidekick I think it's because <laughs> she has that kind of fractured kind of um personality disorder personality disorder yeah 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 like she like her. To put her as the main character in a story is putting us in the hands of not an unreliable narrator, but an unre- unreliable uh, main character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't. Did he say that she's going to be the main character? Uh. Um. Well, 
It says we'll focus on Holly Gibney. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think so. He has said before that he uh, foresees himself spending a lot of time with Holly Gibney. Yeah. Like, kind of, not indefinitely, but I think he said something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing about her in a while. She's a great character. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I need to establish that. She's fantastic, mm-hmm. and I, I loved... Um, Oh my gosh, I can't think of the actor who did the audiobooks. Oh, Will Patton. Will Patton, thank you. Yeah. Will Patton's voice mm-hmm. that he employs for her lines is uh entertaining. It's really funny and it's it's well done also. And so like I have I definitely enjoy the character and I like her a lot and I think she's a great character, really really well well established and all that. Yeah. But uh again, it's just it's just the the characteristics of that character. Um are just don't I don't think they're conducive to a a leading reliable narrator like yeah. you said and and I I I would love to be proved wrong yeah <laughs> I'm definitely going to read the book and I'm curious as to how it's going to play out but uh I just foresee that it could be problematic sure yeah speaking as someone who is constantly proved wrong um I'm looking forward <laughs> to being proved wrong nice um yeah, uh, and also I think that hopefully this means that Will Patton will be doing the uh narration for it as well yeah so that'd be great he has he has such a great um audible voice yes he does yeah uh yeah so that's coming next year of course before that we have the institute coming out in september um which i'm super excited about yeah i don't really know anything about that yeah it's from what i understand it's set in like minneapolis i think um or somewhere in minnesota it's about a kid who's abducted and taken to a like institute of some kind with other kids like it sounds kind of like i think that's part that that's that's the reason why i pitched to you the idea of reading firestarter um okay because it it feels like it has like some similarities to that okay um so yeah i do think that before september you should re-up audible so that you can yeah get that i should um yeah so next article is from May 17th. It's Stephen King's The Eyes of the Dragon is getting a Hulu adaptation. And this surprised me quite a bit. Um, basically, uh, uh, you've read this book, haven't you? I have. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, so Seth Graham Smith, best known for his work on the Lego Batman movie, will write the first episode and serve as showrunner for the series with Fox 21 producing. Hulu's deal covers the pilot, which will also boast Graham Smith's collaborator David Katzenberg, along with Bill Haber, not Bill Hader, yeah. <laughs> Roy Lee and John Berg as executive producers. So I have read The Eyes of the, Gra- the Dragon, and I didn't really like it that much okay um you haven't read it right i have not okay it's a very short kind of fable of of sorts uh i don't know if it's technically a fable but it's like a short like kind of story and um like the article says it's kind of it's a young adult book um which is sort of true like it's it's young adult as as young adult as Stephen King can be mm-hmm. but it's like it's an interesting story it's about like a kind of medieval world or a fantasy world where dragons exist and like the the king of the land um uh king roland yeah i saw uh, that dies and then like his son is 
framed for for the death and like his other son rises to power or something and and like the kind of antagonist of it is uh King Roland's uh former magician flag right um who is orchestrating things and everything um it's it's interesting that it's it's being adapted um, yeah yeah, I think studios are going for anything fantasy right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very much like oh, Eyes of the Dragon, Stephen King. Okay, well, Stephen King's a big name. This has dragon in the title. Yeah. Uh, people are going to be clamoring for dragon stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's make this. And I get it. Like that's fine. Um, I did post that. Like I, I. My my issues with the eyes of the dragon is really in the way that King wrote it, because he, and I, I don't I can't really corroborate this because I, I feel like it's um, kind of conjecture. Because when I'd heard this, it was on like it was conjecture from another podcast or something like long ago. But basically, my understanding uh, is that potentially um, when he wrote Eyes of the Dragon. He was wanting to get away, not necessarily get away from horror, but to branch out into more fantasy stuff. And I got the impression that he wanted to do like a high fantasy kind of like like series, uh, kind of like the Dark Tower. But the Dark Tower is an amalgam of different genres and everything, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he wanted to do that, but his fans were like, "No, no, no! You do horror. You do horror for us." <laughs> And the backlash caused him to, and again, conjectured, not confirmed anything, but people have posited, I'll say that way, that the reason that he wrote Misery was because of the backlash to Eyes of the Dragon. Okay. Because, obviously, Misery is about a writer who wants to branch out into something else, but his (laughs) number one fan wants him to stick with what he does successfully. Right. Um, it's a really interesting meta commentary there. And we did get the dark tower series, which is great. And I love it and everything. So I'm kind of glad that he, you know, I'm glad the, I'm glad how his career ended up. Yeah. Um, but my issues with eyes of the dragon is that he injects too much of a narrator voice in it. Like throughout, like, Throughout all of it, like it, throughout all of it, he is interjecting, saying like, and as we'll see, he's not. This isn't what it seems, and everything. Like he uses his voice as guiding the story, and it's like, on one hand, it's kind of a cool like storyteller kind of um, aspect to it, just because it's like, okay, we are being guided on the story from an ancient time in an ancient world. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, all right, just stop and tell us the story. Like, let us, let us, let us live in the story. Um, Interesting to note that it. Uh, I think the working title for it was the Napkins, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does come like that. Does have bearing in the actual story. Okay, um, but uh, it's just weird. The Eyes of the Dragon versus the Napkins. <laughs> um, but the thing that I posted on social media when this when this news broke is that I kind of wish that Hulu wasn't adapting it. Um, and that may be kind of blasphemous because Hulu has had such a great track record yeah. with all of Stephen King's adaptations and stuff. But the reason why I didn't warm up to the idea of Hulu 
um, adapting it is because Eyes of the Dragon is a short, very short, like, novella. And I kind of feel like it could be repurposed to be more of a... Like, I feel like if Amazon had grabbed it, they could have made, like, a short, like, even just a short film adapting it and have it tie into the Dark Tower TV show. Okay. Like, have it be, like, expanding the the universe of the Dark Tower. Like, repurpose Eyes of the Dragon for a Dark Tower world. Okay. Um, and I just, I just think that that could have been unique, but... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, as someone who hasn't read the books, uh, uh, the book, how do you feel about this adaptation? Um, yeah, I'm not overly excited for it. I um, obviously I'm excited for anything Stephen King, but uh, yeah, I I really don't have an opinion on it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it, but mm-hmm. um, and is it going to be like a? Is it intended to be like a limited miniseries? You know, I don't think that they said because they really okay. only um, got. A, a pilot order from Hulu, so I don't know if it's supposed to be like a series or a mini series. I think I want to say that maybe the implication is that they want it to be a series, just because it's you know obviously in the aftermath of Game of Thrones, everyone's trying to grab yeah the next Game of Thrones, which I don't think it has the legs for that. Um, yeah, right. Um, That's what I was wondering. I was like, I, I can see it being you know five to ten episodes and we're done yeah but uh if they try to stretch it out that's probably not a good idea yeah um yeah i I really don't i really don't uh i'm not sure what to think about it but Mm -hmm. i'll just have to watch it yeah same here um do you want to skip the game of thrones one sure it doesn't really matter yeah (laughs) okay so yeah the next story is from may 21st it's uh oh my god uh andre overdell uh, to direct Stephen King's The Long Walk for New Line. Um, so, oh, yeah. Uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark director Andre Oradol is set to direct New Line's feature adaptation of Stephen King's The Long Walk. Have you read The Long Walk? I have not. I'm not even familiar with it. Okay, it's a Bachman book. I haven't read it, but from what I understand, I think it's like a dystopian future where I want to say criminals are forced to walk continuously until they die or something like that teenage boys teenage boys okay if they go below four miles per hour they're shot oh that's interesting yeah um from what i've heard uh i I always get it confused with the running man yeah um but i think the long walk has like around the stephen king community i think it's revered as having as being a beautifully told story. Okay. Um, so that's that's a project that we'll have to do is the Bachman books. Totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be adapted into a movie. How do you feel about that? I'm curious to see it play out. Uh, young adults kind of, or dystopian dystopian kind of things mm-hmm. are big right now, um, yeah. which is mentioned in the article, like uh, Hunger Games and. Maze Runner and stuff yeah. like that, and it sort of has a similar theme to that, I think. Uh, so, I mean, and those those movies were okay. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of feel like maybe the the tide is changing a little bit. Like it, yeah, that because like I think about like last year that Mortal Engines movie. Yeah, out. Jesus, um, that movie. Yeah, did you watch it? I did. Uh, I did too. 
Uh, do you remember anything about it? Sort of. <laughs> I fell asleep, fell asleep for a little bit of it, yep. and I feel like I didn't really miss much. Yep. Uh, really dumb. Yeah. And just a, also just a, a premise that I just couldn't buy. Yeah, true. Just couldn't. I couldn't buy that premise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I I had a terrible theater experience, but no, did you? Yeah, it was that time that I talked about an obsessive viewer where. Uh, these two women, like it was like me, two women, and a man, and that's all that was in the theater. Mm-hmm. These two women chose the seats that were directly next to mine. Right. Uh, they eventually left, like, or they eventually moved down to down the aisle. Uh, but they kept talking and getting up, walking out, coming back in. Ugh. They, like I, they were probably in the theater for the amounts, for the same amount of the movie as as I retained from it because it's such a boring kind of nothing movie. Yeah. Um so yeah, anyway, uh I'm kind of curious like uh yeah, I wonder if it's going to take a young adult just cuz the fact that it's teenagers. Yeah. At least uh, maybe they'll change it for the movie, I don't know, but uh it's it's an interesting concept and I'd be yeah. I kind of want to read the book before it comes out. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. But yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, do you think, or I don't know, do you, is there going to be an It Chapter 2 tie-in edition paperback? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, let me look that up. Because uh, that was one of the things that I was excited about. Um because the, when the first one came out, because I was like, oh, I'll have two, like, movie tie-in editions, but I don't know. Anyway, I can't find anything. It'll yeah. come out later. I'm sure. So, um, yeah. Do you want to move on to the next one? Yes. Okay, sad news, actually. Uh, May 30th, Pet Cemetery star Leo the Cat dies. Um, and this was really surprising. Um, because I I was very excited because the people who I think adopted both uh both of the cats who or two of the cats who were in the new pet cemetery mm-hmm. they started Instagram accounts for them and I was all like this is this is cool because like they're they're very uh very cute cats mm-hmm. and then one of them just died um, yeah it sucks I guess I guess he had like an infection or something oh really I didn't see that part yeah it came out later that yeah but well and Leo was specifically the one who was like on the poster and mm-hmm. like the one that was in the makeup and like the, the reincarnated yeah. church so yeah so uh, on Instagram they posted a picture saying uh, it is with deep sadness that we tell you that Leo has passed away he will be forever missed by his human and fur family. May his star always shine bright. Um, yeah, just really uh, sad. It's a bummer. Cats. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah. Uh, that's about it we have for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So next article. Do you want to skip the Chernobyl one too? Sure, that's fine. Okay. Uh, next article is from May 30th. Uh, David Arquette, Trisha Helfer, and Dana Gould join Shudder's Creep Show. Episode details revealed. So this is, I don't know if I'd say it's a loose fit for uh, Stephen King, but... Um, yeah, he's not mentioned in the article. He's Yeah, he's not. <laughs> um, but obviously Creep Show is, is um, 
was originated, I guess, by Stephen King and George Romero mm-hmm. um, as an anthology. I have a graphic novel uh, adaptation of it. But oh, cool! Yeah, um, and I, I like I wanted like last year I wanted us to do reviews of Creepshow and Creepshow Two um, for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll do that this year. I don't. I don't know. I've seen Creepshow. It's it's good. Is it? I okay. like it. Yeah, nice. it's cool. It's it's scary. Nice. A, little, a little campiness, but fun, sure. fun way. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, well, he, Stephen King is somewhat referenced. Uh, the new cast join Adrian Barbo, G, uh, Giancarlo es- uh, Esposito, and Tobin Bell, previously announced for the Stephen King story Gray Matter. Oh, he is mentioned, okay. Adapted by Byron Willinger and Philip de Blasi, uh, and directed by Greg Nicotero. Oh, nice. Um, but this weird thing, that's the weird thing, because I don't see that in the episode list. Hmm. Um. Oh, the the six episode season will feature twelve total segments based on stories by other award winning and acclaimed horror writers, including, mm. and so that's just uh, seven of the twelve stories um, listed there. But yeah, I'm uh, curious about that. Yeah. Um. Is is Shutter that like horror only app? Yes. Yeah. Um. And I I had it for a while, and I'll like I dip into it here and there. I'll. Cancel the subscription, then resubscribe for a month and check some stuff out. Yeah. Um, really cool. Like, I... Okay. Uh, Mike, our uh, friend for... He was the regular co-host on Obsessive Viewer. Um, in the past and recurring now. He, uh, he and I kind of bonded over our love of horror. And, like, as the years have progressed in our friendship... We've been friends for, like, 10 years now. Or uh, 13 years. Uh, 13 and a half. Um, so, uh, our tastes have evolved. Like he is, he's been more and more into horror. He is actually, he has actually contributed articles to bloodydisgusting.com. Mm-hmm. And I have kind of moved toward like science fiction fantasy kind of, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've always said that <clears throat> I've always said, and this is a tangent, but I've always said that, God, it would be cool to like spin-off anthology my solo podcast about twilight zone and do like anthology horror <laughs> where i do like tales from the crypt and everything and then like uh, yeah. kind of have like mike on from time to time to kind of guide me through it or just do it with mike yeah um but yeah creep show would fall under that because it's an anthology so right tying it back to the main topic um yeah how do you feel about this and when do you want to start anthology horror (laughs) i'm definitely interested in it um especially because all the names involved a lot of great casting um and uh the the people involved uh greg nicotero and all that um a lot of great names um but the only thing that throws me off is uh the platform shutter like i i really don't want to pay for a subscription to that because i'm not a big horror person at all Um, yeah i get that yeah i yeah and i and i feel bad subscribing for one month and then canceling like that's oh i don't think you should feel bad about that at all okay yeah i uh that's kind of been my mantra throughout this run of the the new twilight zone and cbs all access is that and i i wanted to post like a snarky like tweet today uh but I didn't end up doing it, but because people have people when it comes to like CBS all access in particular, which is going to be the home of the stand, um, miniseries. That's yeah. Right now. Um, but 
when people kind of bitch about CBS All Access, they are like, well, I don't know why they, like with the Twilight Zone, I don't know what, like, there's this underlying assum- assumption that they think that, oh, CBS threw a show onto their app instead of on CBS on their network um, because they don't have faith in it, which is... My read of it is the exact opposite, that they right. are using that to get subscriptions because we're living in a, uh, I would say, a post-network TV world. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Shudder has that stigma because it's not connected to a network. Right. Right. Um, and I wouldn't feel bad about canceling CBS because it's right. CBS. Fuck them. They, they have yeah. tons of money. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know. With Shudder... It's it's a very niche thing. Yeah. Like, I I would love to be more into horror. Um <laughs> but I'm just I'm just kind of not that person these days. Yeah. Um So I don't know, but I'll sub I'll, I'll absolutely subscribe for this and we'll review it. We'll probably do like a season review. Like yeah. I mean, we won't do like an episode by episode thing. Right, right. Um I still even though even this is the first uh the first episode of this podcast in, in months at this point, but or a couple months at this point, I still think it would be just so great if we got like a Stephen King um, episode by episode anthology show that adapted a short story from Stephen King every episode. I still want yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yep. So, I don't know. Maybe someday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we don't have a release date for, for, um, Creepshow, but it is expected later this year. I would, I would bet my cat that it would be October. Yeah. Um, Halloween time. Yep. I, uh, I take that back. I, I take that back. I can't, I can't bet my cat. Yeah, don't do that. She's so pretty. She is. Um, so, <laughs> <clears throat> oh my God, I think we're at the end. That's uh, it. <laughs> yeah. I do have one more that just real quick that okay. was, posted today uh stephen king adaptation mr mercedes will return for third season in september uh that third season is going to start september 10th on audience tv or whatever which i i don't know how is that the network that. It, is that the network it's been on the whole time yeah okay and so like yeah i don't know what that is <laughs> i don't know what it is i can't i i can't access it like if they had an app like that's the thing if they had like an app or a subscription thing I would check it out for that. Like, I would be fine with paying, like, 10 bucks to get access to it. Yeah. So that we could um, record. I wonder if it's, like, a basic cable channel. I think so. Hmm. But, yeah. Um, so that's the third season. I don't know how they... I don't know how the show has been structured. Because I... For... I mean, you can... I would imagine that maybe season one is Mr. Mercedes. Season two is um, Finder's Keeper. Season three is End of Watch. Maybe... But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll get our hands on it and we'll have to review it once we, once we do the Bill Hodges trilogy. Sure. Um, so yeah, on that note, let's talk about what's to come. Um, Mm. I am going to get that freaking Duma key review reviewed and posted. (laughs) Uh, we're going to do Pet Cemetery 2019 when it hits VOD here in the coming weeks. Um, so yeah, and then I want us to get Firestarter done. Um, The Outsider. The Outsider. Also the other Bill Hodges books. Um, 
Oh, cool. Uh, the uh, Pet Cemetery actually comes out on VOD the day before my birthday, so June 25th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Not too far out. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, get me something special, guys. Um, <laughs> no, just your listenership is, is all I need. <laughs> and also patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. But anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, we've got that in the pipeline. Um, we do have a new listener who has been very vocal on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, his name's Aaron. Um, and he, like, he, he, uh, tweeted me and was like, Hey, uh, what's coming up on the podcast? So I know what to read. So <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to do, uh, finders keepers, end of watch the outsider with finders keepers and end of watch. Are you good enough to review it? Like, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll get those. We'll, we'll prioritize those so that we can get that. So we have a buffer. Um, I'll start listening. To, I'll start re-listening to finders keepers, uh, soon. So. Yeah, so that's the schedule. Like, we've got Doomakey coming, and then uh, Mr. Mercedes, which is already recorded, then Finders Keepers, End of Watch, and The Outsider. And then, yeah, that should take us through to Castle Rock, I think. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's what's on the docket for uh, Tower Junkies. And, yeah, let us know what you thought of all of the news that we threw at you this week or this episode. Um, you can find us in the normal places at uh, Tower Junkies Pod on all levels of social media. Also, you can email us, matt at obsessiveviewer.com. I think tiny at obsessiveviewer.com is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, feel free to give us feedback and let us know um, what you think of these articles and what you think of Stephen King and... Uh, his presence in 2019, the year of King. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I think that'll do it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much for listening and long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to towerjunkiespod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast... You can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for obsessiveviewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at ObsessiveViewer.com and on Twitter, at ObsessiveViewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at AnthologyPod.com and OV AnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective 
Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!